Welcome, gentle listeners, to another installment of your favorite podcast, No Homo. I guess we haven't really introduced ourselves in a while, so like, I'm Liz, <laughs> and I'm joined by my ab- far away co-host, Eric Tate. Not for long, though. Soon and- we'll be recording this podcast from the same time zone. Oh, that would be delightful. <laughs> I don't have to drink at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this, in this episode, um, we're going to talk about something that is very near and dear to me and Eric cartoons, but we had such a good time last season talking about, um, our favorite cartoons growing up. We thought it'd be really interesting to take a look at what kids are growing up with today. fucking hate that. So the first time we talked about cartoons, we actually did a section about some of these shows, but we just had so much to talk about on our 90 shows that we decided to split them into two episodes. So we're going to start out with Adventure Time and Steven Universe, which are the shows that we talked about last time. And I think the big difference between shows today and shows then are that You know, we had to speculate on whether characters were gay. Now they can kind of sneak it in there. And even if they can't sneak it into the show, they can post it on their Twitter. Creators can post it on their Twitter and like, oh, yeah, like he's totally gay. And I think that was what was so interesting about talking about the old ones was that it was like very discreet. Well, I wouldn't say very discreet, but (laughs) they really they could not even the creators could not outwardly say like, oh, this character is gay. They could imply it. They could, you know, set them up with whatever sort of characteristics stereotype whatever to make them this character yeah it's definitely the jk rowling effect (laughs) so we're gonna kick it off with the most rooted for couple i would say out of all of these shows which is marceline and princess bubblegum and adventure time and probably the most recent big queer moment like in kids animation And I really enjoy how they, like, introduce these characters because Princess Bubblegum starts out as a love interest of Finn in the show. And Marceline is kind of just this girl that he likes to hang out with. But, like, over time, you get to see that they had a history before him and then how he isn't – how Finn isn't the right love interest for Princess Bubblegum. And over time, we finally understand why. Yeah, that is probably one of my all-time favorite storylines ever like the way you know i'd love to dig deeper into like how that came to be like did they plan that from the beginning or did it sort of just like feel right and it developed and they just like kind of went with what was the right story to tell like would love to dig a little deeper into that when you get to the later seasons when you really dig deep uh with marceline's story what was what were those called it's something vampire uh stakes 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 that's right um and so adventure time does these you know, little sort of sets where they change like these, like there'll be like seven episodes maybe where they, they really advance the story and the intro is different than like the general show is. And they really like focus in on like one character's backstory or something that really will help advance 
the later story, but you you kind of go back and you really get to know these characters. And Marceline's that's where it's all exposed, where you really yeah. figure out they have this history together and possibly a future together. Yeah, there's a lot of hints like peppered in and you get the feeling and like it was kind of like a rumor among all of the fans before it became much more outright. But then we get to the finale and after saving Princess Bubblegum, Marceline kisses her and it's just like, you know, (laughs) it is totally that like there's no words to describe it. I remember we watched it together and it was like there were so many unanswered questions in the finale of this show, but I did not give a fuck about them. I was like, <laughs> they put a queer kiss in a kid's cartoon, completely fan service, did the right thing, I think. I know that they had to fight to get that into the show, and it was a lot of pushback against them even having the idea that Princess Bubblegum and Marceline would be together ultimately. Really? I mean, I'm not surprised about that, but it just feels so natural for that show. That show is all about like celebrating differences and like being just, it's like a really wholesome, like good show. How it feels natural and organic that that belongs in that show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even then it's like, is it really a lesbian relationship? Because it's like someone made of candy and a vampire Um, I felt like it was a really big deal to us. I don't know how big it was in like the animation world or anything. I mean, I think it was huge for the queer community and the fans of Adventure Time who have been like just waiting and hoping that this would happen. Um, Yeah. And obviously they couldn't do anything until the finale, right? They had to wait until the show was off the air pretty much before they could actually even make this moment visible. And I really got a lot of, I got to say, got a lot of respect from Pendleton Ward and the creators and the, um, the writers of Adventure Time for like just sticking their necks out there and doing it. Because with one, when one show does it and it's people, parents, whoever realize it's not so bad, it's not going to like ruin your kids or turn them gay. <laughs> like, it just becomes like more accepted and you can just do like, you could just do a show about like queer moms or something. I don't know. Dads. Yeah. The first time you do it, it's a big deal. But after that, then you're just the second show to do something and no one cares. Yeah. And that's like the goal. (laughs) You want to get to a point where no one cares. (laughs) I want to slow dance with you. I just want to slow. chance i've got the moves i'd like to prove i wanna slow dance with you if adventure time has like the gay relationship we always wanted steven universe is just the gayest show that could ever exist yeah like (laughs) it puts adventure time like we're here we're sitting here raving about adventure time and how they had these two female characters kiss once briefly in the finale and like we're bugging about that this steven universe just like takes the cake i mean even from the very beginning of the show oh yeah steven is 
a human-esque person, but the rest of the characters are these people called Crystal Gems, which are these aliens from space. And even though they're genderless, they all present as female, and they have the ability to fuse together into more powerful gems. But like to fuse together, you have to have a emotional tie to the other person and be committed to them and have some connection. So basically, it's like having sex. <laughs> and one of the characters, Garnet, is a f- stays fused all the time because the two gems that make her are so in love with each other. Yeah, it's just like one long scissor, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we really, so Eric and I went to um, a Paley Center display, Cartoon Network did one, and they had Adventure Time, the stop motion episode, and they had like all these um, behind the scenes, like information, drawings, character development type stuff, like original concept work, including original outlines for the first couple episodes, because it's like written on like just a piece of paper in pencil. It was like lesbian erotic fiction. So since Steven is human and crystal gem, obviously he has a crystal gem mom and a human father. One of the other crystal gems, Pearl, like loves her. They they love each other. I mean, cuz they do fuse and they fuse in this first episode and it's kind of about how Steven's dad sort of met her or got together with the mom because he saw the two women fusing quote unquote and was wondering and hoping if there was a way that humans could connect in the same way that was like how it was written i want to say and like heavily implying they're fucking (laughs) (laughs) it's like the l word pilot yeah (laughs) (laughs) same thing (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the show is just like the gayest gay that ever gayed. And there's even points later on in the series where Steven fuses with his friend who is female. And so the character that they make is sort of half male, half female. Like they have long hair, they have stubble growing on their face. And it's like never really spoken what gender they are. And it doesn't really seem to matter in this world, which is really interesting um they also have they also have some gay characters which like there's an ice cream man i want to say and you meet the guy that he used to be in love with and then they could never make it work because they were so different so the show like peppers in a lot of different like lgbtq representation in this fun silly world that's magical and has aliens and that's a big deal on this show is that like every character is extremely accepting. And even one of the intentions they set out the show with was that there are no evil characters. And so like all the villains eventually have a reason for the why they're acting and are eventually like, you know, by talking it out are brought into the fold of acceptance. And I think she wanted to create this world where it is kind of like no one is evil. Everyone Everyone can understand where everyone's coming from. Yeah, that's a huge thing, too. I mean, not even talking about, you know, sexuality or gender or, like, you know, queer, the queer community, just instilling that, like, everybody, you don't know what people are going through. If I may take a little jump, we talked a little bit, I mentioned Legend of Korra a little bit before, 
Um, so this is a Nickelodeon show. So we're jumping networks. And this could also be why they had a little bit of an issue. I think that Cartoon Network has always taken a little bit more of a risk when it came to their animated shows. Even when we were kids, they were just, they definitely pushed the limits of like, what is adult humor um, and things like that. So, you know, maybe that had something to do. But Legend Agreed. of. Yeah. <laughs> Legend of Korra is like the um, sequel to. The last Avatar. Yeah, to Avatar. Uh, <laughs> the last airbender is what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's like many years later, uh, you see characters and you hear about characters that you remember, but it definitely has it has a female protagonist, main character, and while there are love interests with the male characters, there is like a connection with this woman, Asami, that she meets. Um, on her like adventures. I haven't seen this one all the way through, so I can't really explain it as well as I probably should be able to. Um, but I will say of what I've watched, I have not seen the tension between these two female characters that, but it's widely like celebrated that they're together and queer, these two women, but I don't see it. So Eric, have you watched the show? I I have not watched Legend of Korra. Actually, don't hate me. I haven't watched like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Wow! But we have so much to talk <laughs> about. Like, we'll have to take this off air. <laughs> but I would like to. Um, I watched some of the scenes between Akora and and Asami, and I don't think. And I've read a lot of stuff of what people have said, and I don't think the tension is there. I don't think they were allowed to even put in the tension that they wanted to between these two characters. Like, a lot of people talk about the very last scene in the show, spoiler alert, where they walk into a spirit tunnel. Yeah. Together, and they're, like, holding hands, and they're like, let's go on vacation together. And even that doesn't feel like a romantic conclusion to their relationship. Apparently after that, there are some comic books that continue the story in which their relationship is defined. But as far as the four seasons of the show go, everything I saw doesn't really tell me they're anything more than really good friends. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, but they're definitely worth talking about because obviously in the comics and, and also just to circle back to adventure time, they had a lot of stuff in the comics with Marceline and Bubblegum before the show could really dive in. I mean, the show always peppered in a little bit, but the comics always kind of elaborated more on what their relationship was. So same with Korra and Asami, um, of legend of Korra, they the comic books definitely dive in, but I totally agree. Like, it's worth talking about because the internet and like the fans have just like latched on to these this pair that they belong together and stuff. But I also am just like based on what based based <laughs> on. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm I'm all about a gr- good queer storyline, especially two women. But like, if it's just not there, it's just not there, you know. I really appreciate the way they introduced their relationship, though, because, like, they both were kind of dating the same guy at different times, but they both date him, and they their relationship starts out as a rivalry between the two of them that is supposed to bloom into more of a love, a respect, uh, than a friendship, and then a love. 
And I think that's a really cool way for them to make this character, this relationship arc. But obviously they were hindered by the network and how much they could show of that relationship arc. Like you were saying, like not even a hint here or there. Like there's just not even tension. There's not, you don't feel it when you're watching. You're just like, this is a beautiful friendship. And it is that. And it's, they're great characters together. But the romantic thing, I just, I did not. I did not see as much as I was built up to believe from stuff I've read on the internet or whatever. It did not land like that. I did not see that or experience that relationship between the two of them. Yeah. I, so I just jumped in, watched the last episode of the show as you're supposed to do. Yeah. (laughs) And I felt more of a romantic tension between Cora and the main villain, the female main villain who's like running the earth metal bender can't remember her name. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far, but I I can picture like who you're talking about. Yeah, but I felt more tension between the two of them, honestly, than I felt between her and Asami, even in that last episode. And I just, I, I wonder, uh, I really wonder what, what was different, like why they were so hindered. Um, by like the, maybe, you know, the execs, the network, whatever it was, the international, um, distribution maybe is what hindered them. Like, I really don't know, but it's, um, it's interesting. The last couple episodes I know of Korra got really messed up in how they were broadcast, like up until episode 10 of the last season, it was on TV and then they took it off air and then they made the last three episodes or so come out online. Oh, really? Like, Yeah. And everyone was really frustrated with how it was ending. And they didn't really give any explanation or any, like, prepare people for that shift. And I think it was because leading up to this kiss, or not kiss, but this insinuation was what Nickelodeon was worried about. I feel like it wasn't super far from the same time that Adventure Time and Steven Universe were kind of just starting. Like, it was... Am I getting my timelines wrong? Like, are they... Uh, I'm not aired. sure when Cora ended. Um, but also different networks, different you know priorities. Again, Cartoon Network definitely takes more risks and always has um, in in their content. I feel like. Um, and all three of these shows came from like really big names. You know, Legend of Cora was from the person who made Avatar, which had already like blown up big time mm-hmm. and Pendleton Ward had nine years of adventure time under his belt. And then Rebecca sugar had all those years of adventure time under her belt before she even started it right. before she moved to Steven universe. So we've talked about sort of these animated shows for kids. Now we're jumping to animated shows for adults. And honestly, looking at what we have to look at in the future, I feel like the kids shows are much more progressive with their gay characters. Like, I feel I feel like all of these shows that we're going to go into right now, Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park, 
play their gay characters almost purely for laughs. And I, I mean, personally, I don't hate that. Like, I think that you can have fun with that. And I think, I mean, basically that's what we do here on our podcast. Like we make fun of stereotypes, um, no, like, you know, societal norms, whatever we, we do that too, but there definitely is a li- it's a little different, you know, when you look at in the comparison between the kids, these wholesome kids shows that are trying to do, I want to say like the right thing and portray, <laughs> you know, these characters as just like part of the world. The the adult shows are definitely lean into the humor and the stereotypes of it all, which is funny and can there's room for both, but yeah, I want to say that they're the gay characters in most of these shows are pretty one dimensional. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, so just kind of jumping in Smithers, like Simpsons has been around forever. Smithers has been around forever. And recently, I want to say like a year or two ago, they like, he came out or they announced that he was a gay character. And I would say that he is not a one dimensional character. Um, of, of all the characters we're about to talk about in the adult segment, Smithers is one that I would say the Simpsons put a little bit of thought into. Like, I don't know. Do you feel that Eric or I would say he is, he's not a one dimensional gay character, but I feel like he's one dimensional character. Like, I feel like he wasn't like, they didn't intend for him to always be gay. It was just the joke that he was always so into Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. And then they, from there, they developed a reason for him to be into Mr. Burns. And that's probably true. Like, that's probably the thought process behind it, because they obviously didn't think of this way back in whatever, 1990 or whatever, whenever this <laughs> show premiered. Um, and it was a way different time at that time. They weren't about to put, I mean, this was like the jumping off point for all adult animation that we see today. Um, so obviously there was like no room for queer characters at that time. But I got to give them credit for like including them in more or less as wholesome as the Simpsons can get type of way, I want to say. Yeah, I would argue Marge's sister's coming out was a stronger move than um, Smithers coming out. Yeah. Patty came out in season 16. And I want to say that Smithers came out in like season 27. Yeah, way later. That episode where she comes out, do you remember that one? Only, like, I remember her, like, speech when she comes out. Yeah, I do too. And, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a big deal to me. Like, I didn't think much of it. But looking back now, that was huge because, especially with Patty, because, like, there were some weird family things that Patty had to go through. Like, uh... I remember an episode way back where Marge was talking about how Patty chose a life of celibacy, and that's what they were like. That was the story that they were going with. And But really, she was just like in the closet, and she was probably having relationships with women but wasn't sharing that with her family. And that is so real. Like that <laughs> – we all have – you know, I feel like you and I have come out young enough where we hadn't had, you know, having to be you secretive. Have to fake it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time we came out, it was like, you know – time um whereas like plenty of families like know fully that their kid is gay or their whatever their family member is gay but they just don't talk about it and that feels like that's what this was that was what was happening i don't know just 
this was like I read about it a little bit, and there's like it was a big deal on before this episode came out. They talked about how like there's like a couple of Simpsons episodes where people were like trying to figure out the mystery, like who shot Mr. Burns episode, mm-hmm. uh, and there was something else. But they promoted this episode of like someone is going to come out, and everyone was trying to figure out who was going to come out, but no one thought it was going to be um, Smithers because they were like it's so obvious that he's gay. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, funny, not funny, whatever. Um, while filled with humor and stereotypes and just like having poking fun and having fun with sexuality and queerness, I think it definitely told a real story of like family dynamics for queer people. They try to be political. They just usually end up shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're a show that's been on since the 90s, early, early 90s, and where stuff was okay that isn't okay now, how do you make that transition? And I'm not like, I'm not saying they've done everything correctly and they've done everything the right way, but I, I would say that they have, it, it's difficult. How do you restructure? And I feel like they've done a pretty decent job at it. <laughs> in at least attempting. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. You, you know, got to play to the popular culture of the time. Of You're course. still making a show for the populace. But, you know, jumping to same Sunday night animation <laughs> <laughs> on Fox uh, is Family Guy. And that's a whole different thing. That is completely all for laughs, queer for laughs. Uh, anything. Yeah. I mean, they poke fun at everything, so I'm more forgiving of them as well when they make fun of like queerness. Because again, I believe that it can all exist. We can. I agree. I'm like, I'm kind of torn on that because, yeah, all of their gay characters are one dimensional, but it's kind of like all of their characters are one dimensional. You know, they're every single character is kind of just a caricature of themselves. But does that make it okay? Because I think about, like, even um, Cleveland, like, as a black character on a television show. like Voiced by a white actor, by the way. <laughs> oh, and it's just awful. Like, every time he does something, it's just so cringy. And yeah. that show, the Cleveland show, was trash. Yeah, that was, a, that was probably a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking about some of the Family Guy queer characters... They have quite a few. From the earlier episodes, we have Mr. Weed, who is Peter's boss at the toy factory, if you can even remember. (laughs) But he's not even outwardly gay, is he? He just has sort of like the tendencies. Yeah, he just like makes sexual innuendos. Another different time, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just as early, we meet Brian's cousin, who's this, who's another like Brian looking dog they actually do a pretty interesting episode where he ma- wants to marry his. I actually Raul really enjoyed Brian's cousin. Me too. And this is why I have to admit, like I'm a little forgiving when you really lean into stereotypes because stereotypes are, can be funny if done in the right way. And I feel like with the cousin, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was poking fun at it because the whole, this, this episode, uh, the cousin comes to visit Brian and wants Brian to help him plan his wedding in Quahog with, uh, to his boyfriend and Lois has an issue with it. 
And while there's all kinds of inappropriate jokes and just <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible things, like Lois comes like out on the other side better, like because of this. And and the mayor is like trying to ban gay marriage because like it'll distract everyone from like all the bullshit that he's doing. Yeah. So Too real, kind of like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like they always say, the Simpsons like predicts the future. I feel like in that moment, like Family Guy, definitely predicted real quick. Because remember, Trump banned the tried to ban trans people from the military. Um, speaking of trans characters, we have Quagmire's father in the show. That was an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that's again I don't feel too good about that character, that characterization. No, that was one for a show as heavy-handed as Family Guy. I feel like you need some nuanced notes in some of these things, but they have no ability to do that. Right. I'd argue that there was a little sentimental value to the one with uh, Jasper's wedding. Um, as Lois, like, you know, came around in the end and that was sort of the family aspect of it, you know, like, yeah, um, I would say there was some nuance in before it got canceled the first time. So the first three seasons, yeah, (laughs) after that, we just got the bird is the word over and over again. (laughs) I don't know if you have any more to talk about family guy, but if you're down, like just to keep on that Sunday night Fox animation, I'd love to talk about Bob's burgers because I think they have a little bit more wholesomeness. Yeah, I 100% agree. I feel like Bob's Burgers is doing a really good job. Uh, they do a really good job with representation, even though it's kind of, it's definitely in the background of this family. But they also don't really call out to it. And I think that is what's really important. Like, again, we were talking about, we want to get to a point where no one gives a shit that these characters are just characters because and people are just people. They just like exist. This is just a norm in the world. Um, and I think Bob's Burgers definitely does that. While they might be background characters or whatever, they just exist in this world. They don't draw attention to it or anything. For example, Bob is very obviously bisexual. He comments and talks about uh, men like all the time. He's with Linda. He's married, happily married, all this. Well, I don't know about happily, but he's married. And. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> They don't even bat an eye. And there's even, and like, you know, they've got the side characters. I'm thinking about like, like Marshmallow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bob loved the the <laughs> trans hookers. <laughs> <laughs> and she just like comes into the diner sometimes and like everyone's just like, hey, what's up? And it's not like a big deal. Yeah. I I kind of love that about the show. And, and yes, they get jokes out of that. Like, you know, <laughs> but it, I didn't feel like it was at my expense or at a bisexual person's expense. I just felt like it was just like that maybe a bi person could like relate to. You've also got Jean who's just like so fluid. How else I love Jean. I hadn't even really thought about it. I didn't even really realize it until Chick brought it up on our bisexual episode. And then like I was thinking back and I looked at all these old episodes of Bob's Burgers and I'm like, oh man, Jean, you are the voice of a generation. It's just like in his, he's just in his innocence. He's just being completely himself and honest. And you get to see this person that can be who they want to be in a family that loves him no matter what. I want some burgers and fries. I want some burgers and fries. Well, there's some right here. 
And then jumping from one end of the spectrum with Bob's Burgers to the complete other end, we have South Park. Just okay. like looking at the list of gay characters on South Park, I'm just like, I, I don't know what you're trying to say here. I, I'm not sure that they really are trying to say anything to earlier seasons of South Park. There's Mr. Garrison. Well, at first he's like in the closet and everyone knows he's gay, but then he wants to be a woman. And that is a fucking. Remember that? Like, remember? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he does the transition. And then wants it to come back. And it's like, really, it's all for laughs. Like, it's all fucking fucked up and weird. And then he has like a leather daddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not even a daddy. Mr. Slave. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, uh, and like, I would say South Park's another show. It's been on for 20 plus years at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even and now, so, they don't care. Like, they're, they're not also really trying, trying to, to play. They're also trying to play these like political stories of the day and keep the same characters going through all of these things that the entire world has gone through for 20 years and stay, keep them logical. So I'm not forgiving what they do with Mr. Slash Mrs. Slash Mr. Garrison. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In that order. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, like they have a gay character and they're like, Oh, well now trans is an issue. Like we'll make him trans. Oh, but, like, as we're talking about, like, gay characters on South Park, like, the devil and Saddam Hussein are their, like, big gay characters in the movie. I love, I, like, <laughs> this is so fucked, but I love that. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> They're just like, what's the craziest thing? Like, what would Saddam Hussein hate the most? That was such a wild moment. I, 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 again, like I'm, we're probably the worst people to talk about this because like we fucking love this terrible, terrible humor, but it's so wrong. It's so wrong. (laughs) All right. Fuck it. Let's do some beers for queers. Beers for queers. Eric, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking a special little drink this week. I have this. Limited edition smoked cherry blossom soju, which I found at like a gas station in a bus to stop in the middle of nowhere, Korea. <laughs> How much was it more than the usual dollar or? No, same price. Oh, man, that's pretty good. Even for the limited edition, one dollar. Yeah, one whole I saw the dollar. picture and I was like, I got to get it. <laughs> so how is it like this? Like, is it any good? Is it? Worth it? <laughs> Worth it? Yes. <laughs> Good? No. I will say the taste, not great, but no aftertaste like the rest of the sojus. Like, there's, like, this terrible aftertaste, but this one you just, like, choke down the first flavor and you're good. <laughs> so that's better. <laughs> Liz, what are you drinking this week? I am being a basic bitch as I always, always strive to be. And I'm drinking the White Claw Hod Seltzer um, Black Cherry personal favorite flavor. And honestly, it's like so early in the morning. I didn't eat any breakfast and I'm on number two right now and I'm definitely feeling a buzz. 
Well, gentle listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of No Homo. I'm honestly a little bit disappointed in queer representation in today's cartoon, so let us know if we missed any gay characters from today. I would really love to hear about some more that are just floating around out there. Yeah, hopefully there are more, because we, you know, we dug in, but I felt like I felt like there were more when we talked about the 90s, you know? Yeah. I feel like we could make assumptions then. Now everyone is out, and they're just terrible caricatures of gay life. Maybe we should get some more queer writers in the room. Hint, <laughs> hint, hint, hint. <laughs> Logo hire us. I mean, that still opens up a whole nother world, which is like streaming series streaming animated series right yeah and we'll get into those at a later date until next time gentle listeners later gays no homo is an original podcast by eric tate and elizabeth stickley original theme music by emily Keen. other music in this episode comes from adventure time the simpsons legend of Korra, and bob's burgers like us and follow us on twitter at okay no homo why was the lesbian invisible because she wasn't into the gay scene Queer characters, even though every Disney prince is like a homicide, <laughs> is a gay man and whatever, but <laughs> and like all the princesses are lesbians. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Belle. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs>